Welcome to the Life Changing Principles Podcast, where we take a new principle every week and explore how it changes our lives. I'm Leanne Hunt, ready to jump into today's principle. Today we're talking about self-compassion. Self-compassion changes the way we relate to our suffering, to our pain, to our tough times. Now, we're never going to stop experiencing painful things and difficult moments and tough times, but we can change the way we relate to those moments. Before we talk about self-compassion and how to call up self-compassion in a difficult moment, I wanted to talk about first what normally happens, what typically happens when we have difficult moments. And I want to do it from the perspective of three different researchers and how they came to begin their own decades of research in their careers. So the first one is Brene Brown. When Brene Brown first started researching, she was trying to research connection. What is it about connection? How do we connect to one another? How do we connect in families and with friends? And so she started interviewing people and had a series of questions about connection. But partway into the research, what she realized is all the stories she were getting were about disconnection, about how people felt alone or separated or isolated or like they didn't belong. And she was like, wait a second, something's going on here. And so she paused her research and went back and started to unpack all of the interviews to find out what was this unraveling that was happening with connection. And what she discovered was shame. And so she became a shame researcher because shame is everywhere. Everyone experiences it. It's something that even when she trains therapists, they have to work through their own shame, not like sort of once and for all, now I've worked through my shame, but to understand that it happens to them all the time. It's just ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And what do people normally do when they have shame? They hide. They don't tell anybody. They keep it to themselves. That's part of what shame is, is it's feeling like you're alone and that you really can't tell anyone about this thing. The next researcher is named Kristen Neff, and she specializes in self-compassion. And she noticed that when she was in college and even earlier in high school, she wanted to feel special when she's getting ready to go out on a date. She'd look, you know, go get ready and get look nice. And someone would say, oh, you look fine. And she's like, fine. I didn't spend all this time just trying to look fine. I want to look great. I want to feel special. And what she noticed was that this desire to feel special invited her to be always comparing herself to others, which created a lot of negative self-talk. Why can't you do this? Why aren't you good at that? And she recognized that that's what we tend to do, that it wasn't just her, that everybody raised in that generation where she was raised were taught to feel special. It was part of the self-esteem movement. We all need to feel good about ourselves. And so the idea was to tell people how wonderful they are and to help them to feel good about themselves. But to feel good about yourself because of something that you've accomplished invites you to compare yourself to others and to focus on your accomplishments. She discovered that rather than trying to feel good about yourself, it was about taking yourself as you are, whether you're in a successful moment or whether you're in a moment of failure, and relating to yourself in a new way, in a compassionate way. 
The third researcher that I want to tell you about is named Paul Gilbert. He's from the UK and he's a therapist. And as he was working with his clients, he noticed that the traditional skills that he had been taught to help people reframe their thoughts, this cognitive behavioral therapy, he realized that as they would reframe their thoughts, they would still end up being negative. They didn't have a good relationship with their the way they were talking to themselves. So for example, there was a woman that he was working with and they helped to reframe her thoughts. She was suffering from depression. She had um, a family, her husband and a couple of kids. And she would think, oh, they just are, they don't like me. They wish that I wasn't even around. They are so frustrated with me. And she was able to reframe her thoughts to say, Actually, they do support me and they love me. And as they reframed these thoughts, he asked her, how does this sound to you in your mind? What are you telling yourself? And she said, well, this is what it sounds like. I'm just going to narrate it. You have a husband who loves you. You have kids that love you. So why can't you get this together? You're still depressed. Loser, like get it together. You've got all this support. What is wrong with you? And he was astonished that even though he had done what he had been trained to do, which is help her to reframe her thoughts, she was not relating to herself in a compassionate way. And he began for the rest of his career to explore, how do you deal with this negative self-talk and this shame that everyone experiences? And part of the research that he went on to do was to understand how our brains work and whether it really is something that's common amongst all of us. Do we all experience negative self-talk? Do we all experience shame? And he also, the third of these researchers found that we do. And so because this is such a common thing, this is just a normal thing for everyone to have negative self-talk. Our brains just produce these sentences and we also feel shame where something happens and we begin to think, Ooh, that was just me. I'm all alone. I don't belong. If I don't hide and change and protect what I'm doing, then other people are not going to accept me. So we begin pretending in our lives instead of actually being authentic and not worrying about what other people think. So now that we've established the problem, which is that we all experience pain and negative self-talk and shame. Now, what do we do about that? Kristen Neff and Paul Gilbert both came to the conclusion that we can relate to ourselves in new ways with self-compassion. And we're going to spend a couple minutes learning how to do that. If we're going to be self-compassionate and kind to ourselves, then we need to have three things in place. The first thing that needs to be in place is what Kristen Neff calls mindfulness. Mindfulness is, it's like waking up. Mindfulness is noticing, oh, I'm having a hard time right now. Mindfulness is recognizing, oh, what just happened hurt. That comment made me feel hurt. Sometimes we can just go about our days and we react to the hurt and we feel hurt. And we just go about all these things and we're just moving along, but we don't ever like pause and come to that moment and realize, oh, this is hard right now. I'm feeling sad right now. I'm feeling uncomfortable right now. What just happened isn't okay. And when we come to that moment and we realize, oh, we're in a moment right now that's hard, then things change because now it's like you're 
able to act within that moment. There's a little space between the trigger that just happened and what you're actually going to do about it. You have this little window of opportunity. And so mindfulness is actually recognizing, hey, this is a moment of difficulty. This is hard. I'm actually not sure I'm explaining this right. I'm not sure I'm giving you the gist of what it is, except that as we move through our lives, sometimes we just are going on automatic pilot and we're just living and doing things. And when we can be mindful in the moment where we bring ourselves to the present moment, not caught up with the stories of the past, not caught up with the stories of the future, just in this moment, we can recognize what's actually going on. So once we recognize what's actually going on, that's the first part, right? We're mindful of it. We are aware of it. We're in the present moment. The second thing that really needs to be there in order for us to have compassion for ourselves is to realize that we're human. We're a part of, of all people who have these kinds of difficult things which gets rid of the shame, right? If we're in shame, then we think we're all alone. Nobody else has these kinds of experiences. I can't believe I did this. You know, now I don't belong. People are going to think I'm weird. Those are the kinds of things that happen with shame. But when we have this second element, which Kristen Neff calls common humanity, it's recognizing that everybody has these kinds of things happen to them. Now, we don't have the same exact circumstances, the same exact experiences, the same exact things happen to us. But at the same time, we have really similar emotions about what just happened. So even though, you know, your trial might be more severe than my trial, we can have similar experiences of what it feels like to have something like that happen. And that's what creates empathy, right? We have similar emotions. And so we resonate with those emotions and say, Ooh, I've felt that way before. So common humanity helps us to understand that we're not alone. And because we're not alone, maybe this is now fixable and doable. And we can be kind to ourselves because nothing's gone wrong here. This is a normal part of being human. It gives us permission to be human. The third thing that needs to be in place in order for us to be compassionate to ourselves is just the intention to actually do so, to say, I'm going to be kind to myself in this moment. And what seems to happen is it's almost like that turns off a little struggle switch inside of us. Normally, we see something that's happening and we're having a hard time and we begin to struggle with it and fight with it. We don't want to feel sad. We don't want to feel jealous. We don't want to feel angry and all of these emotions that come up. And so we avoid it or stuff it or walk away from it. When we actually pay attention to it and become mindful of it and say, Ooh, this doesn't feel good right now. Instead of struggling with it and saying, Oh, I don't want to feel this way. Or instead of struggling with what just happened to cause it to say, they shouldn't do that. They shouldn't be this way. Instead of all this struggle, we actually kind of sit with ourselves. It's like taking our hurting selves and putting an arm around ourselves and sitting down for a minute and saying, wow, this is hard. Can you feel the difference between 
struggling with the frustration of feeling terrible and actually taking a moment to sit with feeling terrible and to say, yeah, this feels terrible. It removes the struggle and it helps us to be kind to ourselves and to even begin to get curious and think, how can I be kind to myself in this moment? These three individual pieces of self-compassion, mindfulness and common humanity and self-kindness are so fundamental to self-compassion that when Kristen F. created a little exercise called a self-compassion break, those are the three things she used. For a self-compassion break, she suggests that we do three things. We notice we're having a tough moment and we say, this is a moment of suffering. We remind ourselves that everyone has difficult moments and say, suffering is a part of life. And then we set an intention by saying, may I be kind to myself in this moment. So putting those all together, a self-compassion break is saying to yourself, this is a moment of suffering. Suffering is a part of life. May I be kind to myself in this moment. There are other ways to say it. You can use your own words that resonate with you, but they always have these three different components of mindfulness, recognizing the moment in the moment of common humanity, realizing I have permission to be human. This is normal. This happens to everybody. And this idea of wishing to be kind to yourself. So for example, one that I use that's really quick and simple is this is hard. It's hard for everybody. I'm going to be kind to myself right now. Thanks for being here and taking a little time out of your busy life for personal development. I applaud you for that. We take change one step at a time. You're already on your way. You're already enough. You've got this. Have a great week and we'll see you for the next principle.